faint. He died in a freak hunting accident, Bloomberg mentioned, before citing the list of companies he had owned, another broken family remarkable for their garland of zeros. The 0.0000001%. Money can turn into everything, but we can only turn into ourselves. I met Ben Wiley in the aftermath of the 2008 market crash, as the value of the world seemed to have lowered forever, and crisis as a term was beginning to lose its ancient meaning, smoothing into an ordinary condition. I met him once, although I had known him, or believed that I had known him my entire life. The Wileys own a cottage near North Lake, a town in northern Alberta, brimming with quiet judgment and rude health, and stuck economically between lumbering and resorts, as if it can't quite make up its mind whether to frolic in the wilderness or to hack it to smithereens. The Canadian government in the final land bonanza of 1917 granted Dale Wiley and his brother, Max, a complete section along the Peace River, and in 1937, Dale assumed 8,000 acres on the north side of North Lake, land so scarred by clear-cutting for the lumber mill in Tamiskan that the locals branded Dale a rich American idiot for the outlay of twenty dollars. Now, regrown into a private wilderness, the wily property encompassing three lakes amounts to a province within a province. The wily cottage itself lacks ambition, at least by the standards of the pleasure domes to weekend warriordom which the Kublai Khans of our moment tend to fantasize for themselves. No sea-doos or bouncing water trampolines here, just a small dock for the float plane, and two canoes by the water, birch-bark canoes handcrafted by a local tribe of Dene. A Gothic fireplace imported in blocks from a German castle dominates the cottage interior, but otherwise the place is an ordinary Canadian cottage, maybe cleaner than most since a family in the area served as caretakers, trimming the edges of their lawns in the summer and shoveling the alpine roof of billowy snowdrifts in winter, then in the spring cracking the windows against the cozy atavism of rot. For these infrequent services the local family, the Cabots, earned several thousand dollars a year, even if, that year, the Wileys never bothered to open the place. It was a good deal for that family. I should know because that family was mine. North Lake was my home. My name is Jamie Cabot. It remains Jamie no matter what I do. I have tried to turn myself into James twice, first when I went away to university, and again when I went away to New York. Though I asserted my Jamesness both times, I inevitably drifted back to Jamie. Now I am resigned. Maybe when I'm sixty it will change itself to Jim. My grandfather was a Jim Cabot, and one sweltering depression day he helped lay the foundation of the Wiley's cottage between snorts of homemade rum and pineapple juice. Later my mother straightened the dollies on the arms of their sofas. During my childhood the Wiley family had a vague otherworldliness. I recall, as one of my earliest memories, their 
floater plane circling overhead in a delicate maple seed half helix, and then skimming, skipping like a stone over the drab lake water. Even as a child, four or five years old, that machine, so like a radio-operated toy, bred in me a sense of my remoteness, my status on the periphery of the world. There are still unnamed lakes in Canada, places marked with numbers because no one cares enough to entitle them. North Lake was such a place, a few random cottages strewn among the boulders and pines. Looking up into the pure overbearing sky at the elegant descending curve of the wily biplane, I knew I came from the north. The nothingness. The irrelevant truth. As an adolescent, when my allowance hinged on how neatly I mowed their lawn, the Wileys were a chore.